Welcome to Mental Health News Radio. I'm your host, Kristen Sunanta-Walker. Just what are we going to discuss? The intimacy that is mental health. Let's continue to make it as comfortable as discussing brain health or heart health. This show has been on the air for several years and we have amazing co-hosts. And then we created a network of podcasters on mentalhealthnewsradionetwork.com, a place where every possible facet of mental well-being can be talked about openly. My show, after several hundred interviews, the format is this. Intimate, deep, funny, touching, sometimes uncomfortable, but always vulnerable conversations with interesting people. The goal is to have you, our listening family, many of you who have become my good friends, feel as though you are listening in on private conversations. Thank you for tuning in and becoming part of this amazing journey with me and now with our network of podcasters. Just knowing this podcast might be helping any of you realize you are not alone on this journey called being a human being makes doing this podcast worth every Hi everyone, Kristen Sonata Walker here for our Women Who Lead series with Catherine Limpo Greer. Hi, Catherine. Or Catherine Greer Limpo, right? Did I I did it wrong, didn't I? Yeah, Catherine Greer Limpo. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> See, and I'm not I don't even want this edited out because listeners, this is something it's a thing with me, and I keep reiter- I keep manifesting it because I keep saying it's a thing. But this is what I do with people. I can have known them for, you know. <laughs> 25 years and, and then in a hot seat moment, like recording a show, or I've got to introduce them in front of a hundred people or something. And then all of a sudden I get their name wrong. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I I have a couple fabulous examples of that in a high profile situation, but I think the, the most notable one was introducing myself to somebody as their name because I was so fangirl. I'm like, wait a minute. No, no, that's, that's your name, not my name. (laughs) That is something I would do. I mean, I, I make a giant arse out of myself often. And the thing that I learned from my stepfather, which is wonderful, is you just, you have to just laugh at yourself like immediately. It's so disarming, Mm -hmm. even though you don't, you know, you don't, you aren't meaning to you know, make a joke or whatever. But even if I do like this horrible mess up on stage, when I'm doing a presentation, I will just call myself on it immediately and laugh and (laughs) everybody laughs with me, you know? So that it's, it's a wonderful quality to develop. Um, cause I like humility. Yeah. I used to, you know, hide in shame at my, at a mistake. And now I'm like, whatever. It's like uh, Oprah saying Canada. She was reading the teleprompter for a newscast Uh and said, Canada is having record. And then she went, I mean, Canada. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, yep, it happens to all of us. (laughs) It it just depends on the perspective, doesn't it? (laughs) Exactly. So stating that. That's a great segue into our topic for today, though. (laughs) It is. You state the topic because I'll butcher it. I've already forgotten what we just said five minutes before we hit record. Okay. (laughs) All right. So we're going to talk today about joy in leadership Mm. and how we not only help our folks find joy 
um, in the way that we um, in the way that we guide them, uh, but also how we tap into our own joy and use that to become more effective leaders. Yeah, that's so true. And yeah, you're right. Great segue to this topic because if you you're you're the people that you are leading are going to be inspired by your humanity and your humility. And so if you can, mm-hmm. you're going to make mistakes because that's, and there will be people counting those mistakes and tallying them up and whatever, that's their issues and whatever issues they have with authority or leadership, you know, that's their thing. They're going to do it regardless. So it's okay to just laugh about your, and find some joy in it. You know, even if your face, like this is what happens to me when I get embarrassed, really, really profoundly embarrassed. My face doesn't flush. I actually get, it feels like red ants are in my armpits and are biting. Mm -hmm. That's what happens to me. So I, and it's to the point where like, I can't not at least move around. And, Mm -hmm. um, so people are like, huh, well, she's clearly not embarrassed because her face isn't red, but she's dancing around like a jitterbug. <laughs> and so I bring that up. I actually brought that up in a speech in front of about 2,000 people. And I said, I'm so embarrassed at what I just said. And I know you can't see that, but my armpits itch so bad. And everybody like stopped for a second. There was dead silence. And then, yeah. and I was like, oh, now I'm even more embarrassed. But then everybody started totally cracking up. And then I went on and did the whole thing and I got a standing ovation. It was fantastic. So awesome. Yeah. Did you, you showed humility. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and people aren't sure if they should laugh or not. You know, are you, um, are you going to be disturbed? Because you're, yeah. Did you mean to say that? Right. <laughs> she losing it right in front of us on stage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, maybe, um, Maybe we start in the inverse of the way I introduced the topics then, because yeah. if we're if we're talking about joy and helping other people seek joy, um, it really starts with us and the cultivation of joy within ourselves. And um, you know, one of the things that I've noticed recently is that the farther away I get from some of my past and um, some of the experiences that I had the more able I am to access joy within myself, Mm. Um, whether it's, um, you know, just in an experience, like experiencing somebody else's joy. So most recently, my son completed fifth grade. And of course, there was, you know, something like a graduation ceremony that we went to that was a a clap out. So the parents um, formed this kind of tunnel for the kids to walk through and we clapped our hands as the entire class passed through and the smiles on their faces um, Mm -hmm. were fantastic. Uh, Just watching their pride and their sense of accomplishment in the completion of the school year while we were celebrating their joy in that experience. Mm -hmm. And so what you feel as a a parent, and I'm not saying everybody does, but you know, when there's a situation where your child is experiencing joy, you can, you can feel that joy with them. Um, So how do we, how do we teach people to access that in ourselves, in themselves, if we can't access it in ourselves? So, you know, just simple, um, simple 
um, ways to access joy are becoming more and more obvious to me. And, um, you know, even at work, when you see, um, you know, a group of employees achieve something, whether you had anything to do with it or not, to see their sense of achievement is, is very satisfying. Or even to, you know, garner a certain result um, or to have just a plain old good day. You know, you can get home and reflect on that and, and feel a surge of joy. And in the past, at least for me, that was a bit of a foreign oh, experience, yeah. a foreign feeling, you know. But again, the more um, I heal and the more I allow myself to let down, to tap into that joy, the more I feel uh, a real visceral response to that joy. And I want other people to feel that too, you know? So if we start just with joy in ourselves and how we access our own joy, you and I have both read a book by Brene Brown called um, The Gifts of Imperfection. And it talks about exactly what we were just talking about, you know, the ability to acknowledge our own shame, our fears, address those in a positive way and in doing so access joy. <laughs> so even yeah. if it's as simple as, you know, being embarrassed by introducing somebody uh, incorrectly and oh my gosh, now, now that, um, you know, we've kind of opened that door in terms of, you know, me introducing myself to a person as their own name, you know, <laughs> and, and other, other horrific experiences going through the years it makes yeah. me laugh you know yep just yeah. the the humility that's required sometimes as we put ourselves out there in the world and try and shed our our shame and fears absolutely and it's i mean age helps obviously it helps to go through a lot of that's why i, I tell people you know don't i know we don't want our kids to um, fail. We don't want our team, you know, to fail that we're leading. We don't want any member of the team to fail, but it's those failures that really, you know, toughen you up, uh, break you open, allow you to feel joy because then, you, you, you know, you, you realize that you do live through these moments <laughs> and you learn a lot from failure. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's inspiring. I mean, why do you think we listen to, like, why do people love to listen to Brene Brown talk about how she lied to her, she's lied to her husband and she stood there and said, mm -hmm. you know, I'm lying to you right now. Why do women and men re resonate with her so much? Because she's talking about her failures. She's humanizing herself. Right. She's saying, I'm human too. I mess up too. Um, I'm not this projected image that some people, you know, might have of me. And a, when you're a leader, you are project, a lot of people are projecting their stuff onto you mm -hmm. and you can't mm -hmm. really help that. The only thing I've seen that helps burst the bubble in kind ways to people who are carrying around this idea of you instead of really, you know, seeing you as a human being is to show your vulnerability. Right. And share your vulnerability. Right. Yes. And, you know, one of the really important points that she makes in this book is um, showing our vulnerability gives us access to forgiveness, you know, not only of others, but also of ourselves. So, 
you know, uh, um, this, this is, I, I think, sort of funny, or at least it was a funny experience for me because it was a bit of an exercise in humility. But if you think about like the day you return to work from vacation, let's say you've been gone for two weeks, right? <laughs> and there's a, a lot that may have happened in your absence, uh, regardless of whether you snuck peeks at your email or you know, tried to stay connected or whatever, or, or maybe you did what most Americans don't do and you completely shut off your phone right. and you didn't stay connected with work at all. So by the time you got back, regardless of how well you set yourself up, you're behind, right? Yes, absolutely. And so, and so now you need to, you know, go around and get status updates from people and try and understand where you're at because you've been on vacation. <laughs> so, um, when I came back from, um, you know, just a, a break around the uh, 4th of July this year. Um, I, I went back to work on a Monday after being gone for, you know, a good 10 days. And I was confusing topics and I needed people to repeat themselves and to, you know, bring me up to speed in, in such a way that wasn't typical. You know, I don't go into work every day not knowing where I'm at and <laughs> having to ask obvious questions and whatnot. <laughs> right. um, but by the time I went home, I was just appreciating the patience and the forgiveness that all of my coworkers were having with me, because I'm sure I was asking the stupidest questions. I was asking a question um, pertaining to this topic when really it was a question that was about something else. And I was just getting my, my information confused. You know, they had to repeat themselves and go, no, Catherine, you know, what I'm talking about is this and not this. And I spent the whole day going, oh, oh, okay, thank you for clarifying that. <laughs> oh, right, right, yes, I'm sorry. Oh, 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 yes, okay, right, I remember now. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Oh, my God. I just really thank God when I got home that um, that, that was not my every day, you know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, especially when you're a young leader and not everybody wants to be a leader. Um, some people are are put into, are, are just naturally that way. And it doesn't mean that that makes them a good leader. I've learned that mm -hmm. too. Uh, there are people who just are natural leaders and boy, they're not good ones. Um, so the word leader does, it just, it just means, you know, that you're trying to lead. It doesn't mean that you are actually a good one <laughs> so, <laughs> or that you do lead. I mean, you know, let's look at some of the worst uh, dictators, you know, in history. They were leaders. They did lead people, but they were horrible. So I think as mm -hmm. a young leader starting out, um, if you don't know that you are one, you don't have someone to mentor you and say, you are actually a born leader and let's make sure that you're a good one. Mm -hmm. Um, because yeah. I went through a whole period of my life where I was always in leadership positions in different areas, personally, professionally, whatever. And I didn't know that I was a leader and I didn't have anyone, uh, to go to, to help me or to even tell me that's what you are and to try to help me, you know, craft it, which is why I think mentoring is so important. Um, and so when you're, when you don't know, um, you know, you're, you, you don't know and you, and you end up doing things that are not so hot, but I will say this, even though, you know, the things I did that were not great, um, boy, I learned from all of them. I, I, 
I remember some of the successes I've had, obvious, you know, obviously, but uh, they didn't really, they taught me some things about, oh, okay, do that again. But none of my successes have taught me as much as when I have face planted in a big way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and don't we just really, really desire the inverse of that where we want to, um, you know, at least our ego mm-hmm. wants us to have only successes and to be able to wave the banner and point to it. But you're right. I think the greatest gifts and the greatest lessons that we learn are, are when we do fall on our faces. Mm-hmm. And I think that on the other side of that, we fall on our faces, but we ask a very important question to ourselves, and that is, can I laugh now? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and who will laugh is with Is it okay with, to laugh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and I, I mean, that's the joy in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it, that, I agree. <laughs> it's difficult to uh, be in a, in a leadership role. Um, people are going to be jealous or they're going to, like I said, you know, the projected stuff that gets put on you, or they're going to be um, intimidated or whatever their issues are that have to do with them are, you know, the person that's standing up there leading is going to get a lot of that stuff thrown at them, a lot of arrows slung, emotional arrows, you know, and you have to, and they don't get a lot of sympathy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So yeah. You can't really yeah. whine and complain about, oh, it's so hard being a leader because people are like, wah, 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 tiny violin playing. Um, so <laughs> you have to just kind of buck up. And uh, and thankfully, you know, I have people like my stepfather and several other people that I've worked with that I could look at and go, you know, and, and think about later and go, yeah, they really were a great, a great leader. They taught me a lot. And a lot of them, you know, make made huge mistakes while I was working with them. And, uh, mm-hmm. it was how they handled those mistakes as a leader that, and the, right. the, and the laughter and the, Oh God, that was such a boneheaded thing to do. And we would laugh about it later. They were able to find the joy in it. I must say though, they were all over 40 <laughs> by the time they reached the have joy in it stage. <laughs> oh, details. Right. <laughs> right. That's why I'm like yeah. running to 50. Like January can't come soon enough. I'm going to be 50. Thank God. My, my forties have been great. And I'm glad that they are like almost over. I'll tell you this. Cause you're a runner. I said this, um, I said this yesterday to a friend of mine who's a CEO of a huge technology company. And he's definitely another one of those. You gotta just get back on the horse and dust mm-hmm. off what happened and laugh and I was telling him, because I'm getting ready to go to Greece on Monday and I'm going to mm-hmm. be gone for a month. Oh, yeah. A friend, a friend of mine is taking me. We're going to have a wonderful time. Uh-huh. And I, everything's set up to, I've got a great team of people. They all know what to do. I've, you know, there's, I, and I will obviously have international dialing, so I will be able to check in, but I really am going to un, unplug. I, I actually have to completely disconnect from this network and everything in order for me to do the next step of what this network is going to be and some of the other companies I'm involved in. So if I go there Mm -hmm. and I do this and I go, oh my gosh, well, I don't want to come back to a truckload of things not done and emails and whatever. So I'm going to check them periodically just to make sure that I don't come back to a mess. That is not taking a vacation. 
<laughs> That's right. <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm going to step away because I know that I'm going to come back from that space and room that I need, um, to mm -hmm. do better. But this, I'm not going to, you know, deny that this has been such a journey with this network. I've learned so many things about what we're talking about and about being mm -hmm. okay with having dust in the corners. There are broken links on my website. I do not have time and nobody has time to go through, you know, there are dust in the corners of everybody's life and everybody's company. And as a leader, there are dust in the corners. And, and this network has taught me to be like, yep, there are dust. There is dust in the corner. And I, you know, I got to just let it go. Uh, you know, I make mistakes too. So that's important, but I am tired. I'm not depressed. Mm -hmm. I'm not sad, but I'm definitely um, tired. So this is the analogy I use long roundabout way to get back to running. I said to my friend, you know what? I feel like I'm, I just did this long marathon, like 50 mile marathon. And I'm 15 feet away from the the finish line. I can see it, but I've lost all control of my bodily functions. You know how runners will just like when they're, mm -hmm. they'll, you know, have pooped or whatever as they're running. And <laughs> like, I feel like I've soiled myself and I'm, and I, but I can see it. And somewhere, somehow I'm going to crawl my way across that finish line. Mm -hmm. And then yeah. I'm going to take a much needed rest after this long marathon. I think that sounds great. That's a great reward for you. Um, and what, soiling you know, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, but reaching the finish line. And I, I get that, you know, I get being overwhelmed, but knowing that you cannot let one plate stop spinning. Right. Um, so that when you do allow yourself to get to a place of space and calm. Um, you can really dig into that and, and be quiet. And, you know, I, I was actually looking um, in the book, The Gifts of Imperfection, while you were talking, because it does talk about stillness and how important that is. Um, there's a quote that um, Brene sort of teased out of the research that she does that's a definition of stillness i'm going to read this stillness is not about focusing on nothingness it's about creating a clearing it's opening up an emotionally clutter-free space and allowing ourselves to feel and think and dream and question mm. so how could we possibly do that if we um you know continually went on vacation over and over again and didn't allow for that stillness to happen. You know, I think that stillness that we uh, need occasionally is just as important to us uh, in the way that we lead, regardless of what form that takes in our lives, just as important as keeping on top of stuff, you know? I know. And I have a such different perspective. And since this is you know, largely geared toward women who lead, the female leaders will understand what I'm saying. Again, it's the, no one's going to feel sorry for you. But when I see people blast CEOs and by all rights, some of them deserve it. Okay. But when I see them uh, get blasted for their salaries, I see them get blasted for, well, they get to take six weeks of vacation a year or two months of vacation. How dare they? Blah, blah, blah. Okay. Again, prefacing that some of them don't deserve it and they're horrible. But as a leader, 
I can understand why when you are the commander in chief of an entire company and all the responsibilities that come with that, there's a reason why you get paid more. And there's a reason why you need to take more vacation. If you don't let your leaders do those things, the ones that are good, they aren't going to lead successfully. And that's where you work. So let them, you know, there's a reason why if you want that, those kinds of, um, you know, perks, which we say as a perk, I say they're mental health necessities. I don't see it as a perk. I see it as, you know, you got to do this. If you don't let people do that, they're not going to have that joy. They're not going to keep the, the company going. I mean, if I don't, like, if I don't take this trip, um, I'm, you know, I may not be able to keep doing what I do. So mm -hmm. you, you know, mm -hmm. people, and I, I heard it yesterday. I was, I would tell people, well, I can't do that next week because I'm going to Greece. And the instant reaction from everybody was, oh, I'm so jealous. I can't believe you get to go to Greece. And I was like, why is so, why is, you know, there are a lot of people that are like, think that I don't, you know, I, I get where it comes from. I'm sure I've said that too about other people, but it's like, no, listen, I got to go because I got a lot to do. Yeah. I've got three companies now. I've got a lot of things I want to do in the world. Um, I carry a big load of responsibility that I put on myself. So I'm not, there's no <laughs> tiny violin here, but you know, I know because of the field I'm in, if I don't create a vacuum mm -hmm. I won't have anything else to give to what it is I'm doing you know yeah absolutely yeah I, I think that we have a responsibility to ourselves so I'm not gonna comment on CEO salaries because uh, you know I'm in, the, I'm in the corporate world I'm I <laughs> it, it's interesting to me the discussion that goes on um, because it really is striking a responsible balance between, yes. you know, what it takes to run a company and the stress and, and essentially what you're trading, you know, the opportunity cost that's wrapped up in that, in that salary. I won't argue that some of them are not excessive because I, I do agree with that, but um, it, it's a, it's a worthy debate. It but is. It is at a worthy the same debate. time. Yeah. I think that, um, we need to set examples also in modeling what it looks like to rest and what it looks like to be still and have that reflection time. You know, when we're on vacation and we're constantly communicating with other people in our company, uh, regardless of what position it is, our boss or, you know, our lateral partners or the folks who work for us. We're, we're really telling people, I think, uh oh, I'm going to say this out loud, that we don't respect ourselves. Yes. Um, so and, true. And that we're not, we're not worth taking care of, you know. Yep. Um, there's a, people say, there's what a, are you, a, a machine? And that always makes yeah. me go, okay, yeah, that means I'm, I'm working too hard. That's not a, they're meaning it as a compliment, and I do not take it as a compliment. There is, there, no, if I turn into a machine, then I really shouldn't be doing what I'm doing. Right. And, you know, I want my partner that I work with closely to rest because when he rests and he takes time with his family who he loves and very much enjoys, you know, he's a better partner to me at work. And I would hope the same thing true for me. And not only that, you know, I want um, everyone who works on the teams that I work with at work 
to be their fullest person that they can possibly be when they're at work. And that means taking care and being responsible for making sure that they have enough space and rest when they're not at work. And I know that we have, you know, voices in our minds. You know, Brene Brown says that they're gremlins that tell us that we're too busy to play and waste time fooling around. Mm-hmm. They whisper nappings for slackers. You know, you can push through it. One more hour of work. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to tell my people that. I want to tell them that they're people first and that we have an obligation to take care of ourselves because if we don't, we're not really creating that space to bring our best selves to work with us. Right. And I want to, I want to, I'm sorry, I'm going back to this because I'm realizing now that how I said something could be taken in such a wrong way. I want everybody to understand where I'm coming from. So I run a company where I'm still funding it with my personal funds. I do not make an outrageous salary. Actually, uh, an employee that I have, well, not an employee, a person that I, that worked for me for a long time made more money than I did working for me. <laughs> and the other company is a B Corp, which means that we give all of our net proceeds to um, social justice issues. And so I'm not someone sitting with a $30 million salary having to justify it. <laughs> well, thanks for clarifying that, Kristen. Cause, no. <laughs> anyway, I probably yeah. wouldn't want to do that. Another thing I do, let's laugh and be in joy about how Kristen has to preface everything and over explain everything just in case somebody might be offended when you're going to offend people even when you're, you know, sitting there just staring in a tree. That's offensive. I mean, you just got to at some point gotta let it go. Yeah, we, I, I, I agree. It's very difficult to tread the earth and not offend everyone or at least a few people. Absolutely. Um, so how we, how we bring joy into other people you're saying is by being an example of, taking care of yourself of, you know, the first thing is that people are following what you do, not necessarily what you say, especially your kids. You have to be an example of the kind of leader that um, you, you want to be for them. Well, that means you have to lead yourself too. So there's one thing. What are other, other things that you'd say? Well, you know, we've talked about um, the notion of what we bring to the table and the ability to um, tap into our full selves, you know, our experiences, our histories, our backgrounds. And, um, you know, one of the things I also think is critically important is healing ourselves. So if we're carrying around um, baggage that prevents us from tapping into our own joy because we haven't done the work or spent the time um, healing things that are uh, issues in our past, we create a block that uh, doesn't allow us to tap into our full experience today or our full joy today. So I think about um, my mom's generation. Um, They didn't go to counseling. You know, they didn't have therapists. And in a lot of cases, and I'm generalizing here, so forgive me, folks. A lot of cases, we have a generation of women who never really learned how to clear some of that uh, stuff from their past, emotional trauma, um, childhood trauma, maybe sexual abuse or, you know, generational traumas that somehow just did not go away. And we know now that things don't go away if we don't talk about them or if we don't 
somehow work through them uh, in a way that gives us an understanding and a healthy perspective. So I think that we have a responsibility as leaders in all aspects of our lives, whether we're moms or members of the PTA or, you know, simply a, a friend to uh, another woman in our life. Um, it's, it's a leadership role that says that we have a responsibility to make ourselves healthy and find ways to tap into our own joy so that we can model that. So, you know, maybe at the end of the day, Kristen, it's about mentorship and how we model um, humility and the clearing of shame to tap into joy um, and modeling that in, in all aspects of our lives. Totally agree. I totally agree. I mean, you have to have that, that balance in every, and people talk mm -hmm. about that balance, balance, balance. People use that word balance and you hear it when you're imbalanced and you're like, whatever, because mm -hmm. you're not imbalanced. <laughs> and then when you, right. when you do get balanced, you go, oh, that's what that means. I that's see. why it's so important. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you're, you're not going to always yeah. achieve it. I mean, that's the thing too, is I think a lot of people and especially leaders, cause we tend to be perfectionists. We think, Oh, mm -hmm. once we figured it out one time, well, we should always be that way. And that mm -hmm. is not reality. <laughs> right. Constant no. tweaking. Yeah. How many lessons are you presented with over and over again? It yeah. might look slightly different, but it's when we're in the middle of it, we realize that we didn't learn the lesson from last time mm -hmm. because we're dealing with it in exactly the same way that we did before. Yeah, you know? exactly. Exactly. You know, so I think that's a good transition to the flip side of this, which is helping other people seek joy around them. Um, and, you know, I think we've talked quite a bit already about how we can't really do that until we've learned how to tap into joy ourselves. Um, so one of the things that I looked at uh, this week was um, just topics on the Internet that address finding joy. And one of my go-tos is always um, TED Talks. And um, there is a woman by the name of, I'm sorry, I'm going to click on this here, Ingrid Fattel, and I believe I'm saying that right, Ingrid Fattel Lee, um, who gave a TED Talk in 2018 entitled, Where Joy Hides and How to Find It. And I think that her perspective is very interesting because it's not necessarily um, the cultivation of joy within yourself and reflecting that outside. It's seeking places where joy is and finding ways to bring it out by um, finding it in, in your more physical environment. So less about the physical world and more about just how to help people find it around them. Um, so you know, I think about the different folks that I've worked with in the past, and there's always a scale of pessimists to optimists and different personalities that get mixed up in that scale. And I, I think all of them are delights. Um, but I tend to migrate to the optimists, not because I want to fool myself and right. see uh, unreal things as real, 
but because um, somehow they have the ability to find joy around them yes. and to deliberately look for joy and figure out ways to tap into it and help it manifest itself in a meaningful way. Yeah. You know, I know this from a, a close friend of mine who is going through absolute hell. He is the nicest person ever. I mean, he's not a pushover. He is a CEO. He's being just completely attacked on social media just because he took over a CEO position because, you know, the company was failing and whatever. And so the person that got ousted because they were derailing the company is now launching, launching this horrible attack. And we're talking about, you know, these are multi-million dollar companies. This is not a, you know, my network, which is, you know, a podcast network in mental health. We're not multi-million dollars by any stretch. So not that it isn't just as stressful if you have a smaller company, but, you know, he's literally going through absolute hell. And he's such an optimist that I can tell he's tired. I can tell he's having a hard time. He will call me very upset, but his entire way of looking at things is always glasses half full. He just always goes back to that. Not in, like you were saying, the delusional, magical, magical thinking way, just even simple things like, you know, oh, well, yeah, we finally got some rain. Isn't it so great? You know, and then the next minute he's got to go and deal with, you know, the attorneys because there are multiple that are dealing with this case. And then he comes back out and, you know, does what he needs to do. And I, I look at that and I think, oh, that's, you know, that's what you're talking about. That ability to walk one foot in the stress of life and the other foot mm -hmm. maintaining some measure of joy and peace and positivity. Yeah, and kind of tying the two ideas together, you know, Ms. Lee um, calls out joy um, in the form of physical manifestations in our environment through symmetry and abundance of shapes and abundance of color. So if we turn that back into what Brene Brown was talking about, it's really seeking the abundance and the, okay, that, that is enough in whatever situation that we're in. So in the example that you were just talking about, even if your friend who's the CEO may be going through some very tough leadership challenges, the key to getting through that is finding where he's enough within himself and reflecting that on the outside. You know, this is tough, but there's enough energy here or enough positivity here for all of us to tap into. So let's figure out a way to get through it together by tapping into the abundance. Right. Exactly. And, you know, shrugging off things that, you know, you just don't have control over. I, I don't know if I told this story or not, but I remember I worked for a, a man who this I'm telling you, it's so, it's such a great thing that I was a consultant and that I worked with hundreds of companies because I got to see leadership in so many different ways. But I, I remember at the time I didn't know that how great and beneficial that experience would be for me, but now I get it. But this guy, you know, ran a tile company and he, I mean, it was a huge company. They had over 300 employees. Um, they were, you know, they were shipping tile from Greece and from Italy and wherever, and it, responsible for putting that down, you know, people's houses. And 
he walked in and I was working on his computer and doing some uh, database stuff for him. And he just threw his hat, not meanly, just sort of <sighs> tired on the chair and sat down and kind of slumped in the chair. And I said, what's, what's wrong? Are you okay? He goes, you know, I just, I don't understand people sometimes. We've done everything mm -hmm. we can for this customer out of a huge truckload with thousands of tiles. One tile was broken. One. And this customer just verbally assaulted and threatened physical violence against two of my employees over tile. Wow. He just looked at me and he goes, I just, you know, some days I just, I can't even get, I'm, I said, of course I'm going to take care of my employees and you know, all that stuff. But I just sit back sometimes and I think this is just tile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it was so good to see him react this way um, instead of getting into the screaming and the, how dare you and da, 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 da. He, you know, he handled it professionally and got everything back on track and this customer's job was finished and then he never worked with them again. Um, but the way that he reacted to it, he didn't allow this person's turmoil and horrible behavior enrage him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When, when he walked out, he looked at me and he winked and he laughed and he said, it's one of those days where all you can do is laugh. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the ability to sit back and understand what you don't have control over is is mm -hmm. huge. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it, and it, I I think that that um, relates to the notion of of shame mm. um, and humility and just acknowledging that at some point it's more than we can handle and it's okay to say that at that point, you know. And we have to laugh. We have to be able to laugh at ourselves. We have limits. And I think yeah. that if, well, think about the people who can't laugh, Kristen, when they hit a hard stop in their own capability. That's every narcissist we've ever met. You know, they don't have the ability to laugh at their own flaws or mistakes no, or even, limits. They don't even acknowledge them. No, but imagine, um, you know, the, the frustration when they do get there, it's not a response of, oh, wow, you know, here's an opportunity for me to better myself or, right. wow, what can I, what can I learn from this wall I just hit? Or where's the abundance in this, you know, situation that seems like a complete and utter void. They can't do that. You <laughs> yeah, know, they can't exactly. do that at all. <laughs> it's everybody else's fault. Everybody's attacking them. Everybody's out to get them. Everybody's whatever. And I, I still, and I know I've said this before, but this is a, this is a thing with character disordered people. You know, they are Sisyphus pushing that rock up the hill. And that's unfortunate that, you know, cause it's always going to roll down and it's always going to be somebody mm -hmm. else's fault. And they can't, um, they don't, they, they literally don't have the ability to self-reflect. And I'm not saying that gives them an excuse, but Mm -hmm. Their ego is so thinly um, protected with, with such a thin mm -hmm. skin. Like you and I, man, I've got rhino hide, but it doesn't keep me <laughs> still being caring and kind and forgiveness. I don't have a character disorder, but someone like that, they, they have the hide of, you know, 
tissue paper and Mm -hmm. they literally anything that's going to pierce that bubble with humanity of you made a mistake, you should, you know, learn from this, whatever, anything that's going to, you know, pierce that very thin tissue is to be protected at all costs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Instead of, um, you know, the way that we started this conversation, kind of the deconstruction of the shame mm-hmm. that allows us to access the joy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There's so much joy in, you know, in, in being that way. They'll pretend that they can do that, um, mm-hmm. you know, and try to mimic us who do it. But uh, it's, you know, it's not real um, and it's sad. You know, it's sad to to see. Yeah, because a mistake is, you know, a a blaring flaw as opposed to an opportunity to move through the shame that it created and manifest the lesson on the other side. Absolutely. It's a blight on their very humanity. And it's like, yeah, all that energy that, that you put into keeping a pinprick from being able to get through that tissue paper could be put into good stuff, learning things, yeah. vulnerable, go yeah. to therapy and work on your shame, whatever. But that's why it's character disorder because they ain't going to do that. <laughs> yeah. They can't, they can't do that. But yeah, if only they knew that, you know, ripping apart that, that thin piece of tissue would, would give them access to <laughs> so much abundance, you know, enjoy, <laughs> enjoy in their life. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, yeah. how how would you like how would you like to close this one today? <laughs> wow, I kind of feel like we did. Um Yeah, you're right, we did. So we can we can Well, that that's what happens, you know. It it's it, it's one or the other. I think we described the scale, you know. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, it it you know, what happens when you're able to thoroughly tap into it? how we lead people to it and the, on the other end where we don't want to be, you know, what happens when you just simply don't allow yourself to be human enough to experience the shame that gives you access to joy. So and take those breaks. Oh my gosh. I'm going to, I can't wait to see and feel what it is, is going to be within me once I've given myself this room from vacation. Yeah. I think it's wonderful. And I hope that you're able to let down and create the space (laughs) to tap into your joy. (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming back on. Thank you. I appreciate it every time. (laughs) And listeners, thank you for tuning into another episode of Women Who Lead on Mental Health News Radio. I know, I know, no one likes commercials, but seriously, folks, without the help from these organizations, we could not stay on the air. Please give a shout out to zencharts.com. If you're a mental health or addiction treatment center, you'll want to use their EHR. It's gorgeous, and they're just good people. And also MyGenetics, M-Y-G-E-N-E-T-X.com, because knowing your genetic code empowers your mental health treatment. 
And lastly, copenotes.com. We love getting positive messages right to our phones every day from Johnny Crowder. He's the lead singer of Prison, a heavy metal band sharing their music about suicide prevention, addiction recovery, and mental health. See, that was painless. Support them as they support us. Back to the show. Sometimes I'm passive aggressive, but never without good intentions. I heat up and act on my emotions. Thanks so much for listening to Mental Health News Radio. Our podcast can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and hundreds of other podcast apps. Or you can visit our website at mentalhealthnewsradio.com. If you have a question or would like to be a guest, become a podcaster on our network, or join the amazing organizations that help keep us on the air, please email us at info at mhnrnetwork.com. Get ready for that special goodbye from our resident therapy dog, Miles, and a special thanks to Emily Sohn for letting us use her incredible song, Cordial, for our podcast music. Listen to the full song on SoundCloud at emily.sonne. Don't be surprised when I don't hate on you. After all we promised, we'd be cordial. Sometimes in you I can fight it. Good boy.